Welcome to the World of Horror Podcast, Episode 98. I'm Mom. And I'm Mac. This is the podcast where we share our love of international horror. Fear is universal, but we are not afraid of subtitles. Wellhouse! This week, it's Mac's pick of genre, and Mac has chosen movies about dementia. We reviewed The Taking of Deborah Logan from the U.S. and Relic from Australia. Before we get into it, fair warning, these discussions will include spoilers and language which may not be suitable for all listeners. Let's move on to our first segment, Mom and Mac Chat. Hi, Mac. How's it going? Hi, Mom. It's going well. I did two things today that I had been putting off for like months. Two phone calls. Whoa. One to get my prescriptions moved from my old pharmacy to one closer to me, and one to make an appointment with my endo. For some reason, those two things took me six months to do, but I did them today. That is great. Congrats. Thank you. I was really proud of myself. I did the first, the prescription thing. And then I was like, we're on a roll. We can do the other thing too. (laughs) And it was actually really nice because when I called to make my appointment, the guy was like, oh, okay, you're June 4th, baby. I am too. And I was like, what? That's crazy. And he was like, yeah, it's a great day, isn't it? And I said, well, of course it was. We were born. (laughs) Oh, nice. So that, that was nice. I never would have had that interaction. Had I put it off for another day? I went to a couple of doctor's offices today and I had, I had characters. It was character, <laughs> characters in the waiting room day for me. <laughs> oh, not the doctors. Oh, well, so my main doctor is out on maternity leave mm. um, and she's coming back next month. So they gave me a guy, mm. I won't say his name, but it's the most Italian name. <laughs> <laughs> Fettuccine Alfredo. Basically. <laughs> Alfredo <laughs> Fettuccine. Yeah, no, it was a very Italian name. He was a very Italian looking guy, very cute young man. I've been having an ongoing issue. And so he's like, well, let's do some tests because it might be this thing that you've been diagnosed with, but it might not be. And just to be sure, let's do these blood tests and then I want you to go get an x ray. I was like, well, okay. Damn. In the waiting room for that one, there was this lady who came in. She's like, my name is blah, 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 and I'm here to pay my son's uh, medical bill. And then she did what would have been like a four-page long monologue, just like nonstop about her kid, how he's such a mama's boy. Well, he's he's paying for it, but, you know, he's a mama's boy. And she still, to this day, she calls him sweet boy always and it was just like lady, wow and it went on and on and i was like trying to tune it out but mm-hmm. and i is felt, she old nah, no older than me but not like ancient you know yeah but i felt so bad for the check-in lady <laughs> sitting there like <laughs> checking your watch <laughs> but then i went to the imaging place and there was a lady straight up singing gospel songs 
in the waiting room. (laughs) The only thing that made it like, I mean, it was weird as fuck, but she was pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like waiting room music. But the lady behind, like my lady, like checking me in, this lady would stop singing and then she was just like, clap and shake your head because I know that's right. And I'm like, what is happening? That sounds fun. We are in the South. (laughs) Uh, That's like so joyous though. I guess. Yeah. I mean, she was certainly expressing herself. I feel like I'd rather have that than just stuffy silence. At least it's something. It was something. It was a little (laughs) uncomfortable, but I mean... But now you have this great story to tell. I that's never happened to me before. <laughs> and I mean, my boyfriend had encouraged me to go to the doctor, and I was texting Quinn beforehand. I'm like, I think this is futile. Like, I mm-hmm. think I know what it is. And then, you know, we had all these tests run, so we'll we'll see. It's almost like I don't want it to be anything, but it's like after all this fuss, yeah. It'd be nice to have something. Something that would say. This is why. This is what it is. And this is what you should do now. Yeah. Some kind of control. What did you say? And it'll solve all your problems. Yeah. (laughs) You'll also get a million (laughs) dollars. Nice. Well, besides the doctors, how are you? I'm good. Um, Week after next is spring break for me. And I don't know if I told you about this, but I might have. So if I did, I forgive me, please. But they gave us another vacation day. Mm. And um, what it is, is it's like for religious observance and it's no questions asked. So I took off the Friday before spring break. Nice. I just said it was a religious observance day for me. It's a holiday. It's me not working. Gave it to me, so. <laughs> so I get an extra long break. So I'm so excited. Yay. So I just have to prepare three more like lectures, and then I'm on break for a week and and some change. So do you have any plans? Well, I'm not sure because I, we were gonna redo this bathroom in the mm. primary uh, room, but. I don't actually know when my boyfriend's coming because he took the wrong week off. So Come on. I know. <laughs> you had one job. No. <laughs> but uh, no, it'll be great whenever he can come. But I mean, just to not be at work will be a wonderful thing. A gift. Plus enough out of me. What's going on with you? Hmm. Hmm. Honestly, a lot of the same. That was happening with me before. <laughs> Not much has changed to be to be honest with you. Um, watching One Piece with Alan, drawing. That's kind of it. That latest but, thing that you did. What? What? what it, who were those characters? Oh, the little guy and the. That's Carrot and Chopper. Um, oh, okay. Actually, stay right here because I'll show you how much I love Chopper. Okay. I'll be right back. Okay. I got this giant. Um, I got this giant oh plushie. <laughs> it's huge. Like almost as big as you are. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted it to be maybe the size he would be in real life. 
<laughs> so I I, some, I sit watching oh. One Piece sometimes. Um, <laughs> I should yeah, go, it, should I go get my my stuffy? Yes, do okay. it. Okay. <laughs> Thing now. Oh, <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> I love it. I was at um, I was at the deluxe Dollar Tree. Um, <laughs> that's a Dollar Tree purchase. Yeah. Well, you know they have like it's Dollar Tree Plus now, so everything's a dollar oh. twenty-five now, and then they have a five dollar and ten dollar section. I think this guy was five dollars. He's so beautiful. I got one for me and one for Quinn. Oh, um, and I had then I had to find an excuse to go over to her house. Mm-hmm. But um, this guy doesn't have a name. We could name him right now on the pod. Wow. Should we just call him Woho? Oh, <laughs> little Woho. Little, little Woho? Little Woho. I love him. <laughs> okay, I'll have to post a pic. <laughs> social needs. On the social meds. On the social, so, yeah, whatever they are, the SMs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was a picture of Carrot, who uh, she's a part of this place called the Mink Tribe. They um, just look like animals. But they're technically not animals. But then there's Chopper. He is an animal. He ate this thing called the human human fruit. <laughs> and now he can talk and transform into a human. One Piece is a very interesting show. <laughs> that human human thing reminded me of a um, podcast I listened to called the Brain Ladle Trivia Podcast. Mm-hmm. And they'll just do like a topic. And last week it was bears. And <sighs> the... Now, this is a dumb story because I can't remember what it was. But one of the bears' names is like, I don't know, Ursus Arctis Oribilis or something like that. And it's um, horrible bear bear is what it translates (laughs) to. I don't know if that's like grizzly or what it is. But it's so that. This bear bear did a lot of stuff to earn that name. (laughs) The scientists were just like, oh, horrible bear. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. So anyway, um dementia. <laughs> Fun topic for today. The first film I chose was The Taking of Deborah Logan. Here's a brief plot synopsis from IMDb. An elderly woman battling Alzheimer's disease agrees to let a film crew document her condition. But what they discover is something... Wait, but they discover something far more sinister is going on. It was direct... Yeah, come on, IMDb. (laughs) They said, but what they discover is something far more sinister going on. And I felt like I was like, <laughs> I felt like I was messed up. <laughs> um, this was directed by Adam Robitel, written by Gavin Heffernan and Adam Robitel. It stars Jill Larson, Anne Ramsey, Michelle Ong, and Ryan Cutrona. I pretty... Uh, unless you have, unless you have seen them other places, I don't know any of these people. Jill Larson, I guess, had quite a run on All My Children. Oh, okay. Yeah, she seemed like a she. She had done something like that. Cinematography was by Andrew Hubscher. 
It was released October 21st, 2014, with a runtime of 90 minutes. All right. So on October 12th, 2013, the documentary film crew made up of Mia, uh, is that Louis or Louis? I don't remember. Louis. Luis and Gavin are student filmmakers who want to create a documentary about Deborah Logan, an elderly woman with Alzheimer's disease. They do like a little bit of making you feel like, oh, this is a real documentary in like the very beginning. Yeah. Like, you know, there's a little thing where, you know, Mia's talking about this is, you know, what Alzheimer's, you know, blah, 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 blah. That doesn't really come. It kind of drops off after a little bit. Yeah. Somebody described it not as found footage, but as raw footage. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Even though it's like not. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I can see what they mean. So these student filmmakers want to create a documentary about Deborah Logan, who is an elderly woman with Alzheimer's disease. Um, when we go over when they when they go over to Deborah's house, we meet Sarah, who I will say this movie wants you to know that she's gay. And I don't think it's a bad thing to have a gay character. I think it actually makes their relationship very interesting and I enjoy it. But I mean, she comes out with the flannel tucked in. (laughs) Um, We hear her not 20 minutes later talking. Like, why would she be talking? She just mentions U-Haul. And I'm like, come on. (laughs) Like, (laughs) what was the point of that? You're just like, she's gay. We know. Um. But Sarah meets them. And I, I did like, too, that she was, like, older. I don't know exactly how old Sarah's actress is, but um, I don't know. It's just nice to see two older women. Yeah. Um, th- this movie passes the Bechdel test. That's cool. <laughs> but we can see that Deborah and Sarah are a little bit awkward together. Deborah's very, you can tell, like, old school, you know, looks like she's from the 50s and Sarah is gay. Um <laughs> And we find out that they're participating for grant money to pay for some of Deborah's hospital bills. And I agree. You wrote in the script, grant money? How much could that be? Um, I Not enough if all the people making it are getting paid as well. Yeah. I, this well, doesn't. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know if it was like Mia's thesis or something, but I feel like or, or dissertation or, or whatever. But what the fuck are Gavin and Luis doing? Like they're yeah, just- they're and later they're like you know we want our pay like far later they're like we want our pay double now. <laughs> like what she's pay? Like, sure. like what? yeah, like I wish I wish it could have been confirmed that she was just sh- like bullshitting them because yeah. like where what? <laughs> That's not a thing. <laughs> I would love to have seen. Her request for, like, I guess the million dollar budget she had to do this, like, student film. Like, why did you need this much? Well, I got these guys. (laughs) They're not cool. Because that's the one thing is, I think this is an interesting setup. I don't mind Mia's character. And I like Deborah and Sarah. But, man, these two guys kind of, like, taint the whole movie. I think really? he's the one who nopes out. I kind of like him. Yeah. I just, they brought like a weird, like, dude kind of energy to it. And I guess it kind of was like, I would be kind of serious. And then they'd be, be like, what's this old lady doing? And it's like, yeah, you know, I was getting into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, there is some, some difficulty in their relationship since Sarah's gay. And so 
you know, Deb, they're, they're kind of introducing around the house, you know, they show, you know, she's a painter and they got this really nice older house and this whole garden. And, but then suddenly Deborah's just kind of like, you know what? This actually is not good. I don't want to be exploited. And Mia then gives this Oscar winning performance that saying, you know, I feel like I have this speech burned into my mind. I've seen this movie so many times and I always hate this part. She's like, my father, my my grandfather also had the disease. <laughs> Just, I don't know why I hate that. <laughs> I'm sounding like I hate this movie, but it just, I think I've just seen it too many times anyways, but she just gives this little speech and Deb's like, you know what? Fine. You know, we see that Deb is still doing all these things to try to keep her, you know, brain in check, but she suffers a lot of memory lapses and she really downplays how bad it is when interviewed. She's like, you know, I might, you know, toast something and then it pops up and I just put it down again. And I love this actress. I think she does this so well. Like Sarah will be like, yeah, you left the stove on and the house almost burned down. Um, And then we hear more about, Deborah's backstory. She's actually kind of a girl boss. Um, she lost her husband when Sarah was young, so she created her own switchboard, you know, business. And she was very important in the town. And we get this footage that definitely wouldn't have existed. It's like picture perfect footage of them back in the day with you know Sarah fucking with the switchboard. And I was like, is this even like a found footage movie anymore? But it's cute. It's cute. Um, so. You know, everybody's settling in. The The crew's going to live there in their house. And, you know, they've set up cameras everywhere. Um, Louise starts to su- suspect something supernatural is occurring because we've got certain events like Deborah is gardening and then found holding a snake. She kind of has a freak out and accuses Gavin of stealing her spade and truly is like yeah. trying to attack him. I was surprised they didn't leave right then and there. They, like, Mia... <laughs> I feel like Mia does so much to try to downplay everything. She's like, you know, it's fine. You know, don't worry about it. Deb is doing crazy things like pulling skin from her neck and is prescribed a bunch more medications. But, you know, there's not really this isn't typical, you know, of her disease. We they're taking really (laughs) voyeuristic footage of Sarah drinking before bed. Also, this is kind of a picture perfect scene. Like we see her like, you know, with a bottle drinking straight out of it. And it's like Sarah's found her own ways to cope. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So then we have another freak out. Deb thinks that there's a man who intrudes on her lawn. And so she starts nailing the window shut. I do like this scene because it's very chaotic and we mm-hmm. just hear Sarah like she's so tired, like we're nailing the window shut now. You know, I felt like they're, they have a lot of chemistry as mother and daughter. They have that kind of dynamic where you would be uncomfortable if you were in the same room with them, you know, because it's sort of yes. like Sarah is embarrassed of her mom, and but she's trying to put on a, like a, a polite face about it. But there's this undertone of like anger like, and resentment. And so it's yeah. just uncomfortable. Because, you know, we, we find out that Deborah like sent her off to boarding school because she was caught kissing a girl in the garage. And she still, even to this day, like, you know, they're having their little interview and she's stating like, you know, why can't you wear a nice blouse? And Sarah goes, I don't own a blouse. 
So there is tension there. But also Sarah obviously really loves her mom because she's, you know, moving and and spending all her time with her because she's worried about her, which I, I just think is so realistic. There's some really weird footage that they find of Deb. I've <laughs> stuff like this. I'm like, how? What is the explanation for this? Then it's just like it looks like a jump cut if she is standing on the ground and then she's standing on top of the counter and you know the time stamped. You know, no time passed. So how did she do that? How I how did she do that? <laughs> and it doesn't fit with anything else. So that's like not like a snake thing or like no. there's, not, there's nothing. It's just like wouldn't well, this be weird? Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, like the cabinets in the sixth sense, you know, it's just like, okay, yeah, that's creepy as fuck. But what does it have to do with anything? Why? (laughs) (laughs) So Deb's sent back to the hospital because, you know, she's, she's, you know, running around and hurting herself. They do a little spinal tap thing. This is a brutal, um, I thought all of, (laughs) all of this made me afraid to get old. (laughs) Well, is this the kind of procedures you get? (laughs) Okay. I I don't know. Okay. So when I had Sam, uh, Mm -hmm. I, it was a scheduled C and they, they, um, they put something in my spine to, um, to anesthetize me, um, Mm -hmm. like from the chest down and it, it, felt like a pinch. It didn't feel, I mean, I don't know why she's screaming her head off, but maybe this is something completely different. I but think it is because they're taking liquid. Also, you know? it's all white and foamy. Yeah. That's- and all, what I thought was crazy was there's like a moment where it's dripping out and like the doctor is belated and like putting it in. I was like, wh- why wouldn't, <laughs> <That's> like- <laughs> why is her juice just falling out? <laughs> Okay, I do like the portrayal of these doctors because they're all like, eh, it's it's nothing. It's probably, yeah. you know, yeah, okay, so she has like degraded, you know, like three years into the disease in like a week. Okay, that's yeah. a little weird, but she's ripping her skin off. Yeah. Like that's not normal. They're like maybe it's an allergic reaction. <laughs> oh. What do you mean? I guess this is kind of like Maybe that might be some typical doctor behavior for some people, though. Maybe. I do think I like it in movies when people are just unhelpful, because I feel like that is what happens in real life. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, you know, they're they're having, they're having trying to test Deb's cognitive abilities using, like, do you put the square peg in the round hole? You know, and she just starts ripping her skin off again. That's kind of their thing. She's got a huge rash also. Just kind of, like, wouldn't it be gross? You know, she's she's found eating eating figures in the house. And Gavin, uh, I thought this, so many things just feel out of nowhere. He's like, yeah, I brought my, my mom's cross and yeah, I'm going to put it here on this window. And Deb catches him and there's weirdness. I do like this. Gavin finds a bunch of paintings and I love it whenever – they do. You could do this in any movie and I'll be like, ooh, that's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> they just show a bunch of paintings and like, you know, like there's a spooky person in the background. Because what if you found that? You would be creeped out. 
Yeah, or kids with like a creepy like holding the hand of a giant monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and the paintings are great because like first the figure is really small in the background, and then as the paintings like as he goes through the paintings, the figures like she, it's so nice that she put them in order too. <laughs> I you know. know, very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> and I see that's the thing with this movie. There's a lot of ideas that I think are very good. Was it executed well? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> but like, there's some things that on paper, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Now, Matt, um, was this something that you watched like, at, like sleepovers or? No, I, I think it was a little bit too late for that for me. But I, I just have watched it maybe like three times. Oh, okay. I, I first saw it because I saw a gif of the iconic scene we'll get to later. And I was like, well, I got to find that movie. Yeah. And I just kept watching it. Gotcha. It's kind of like uh, I, there's something about mediocre horror movies <laughs> that I just really like sometimes. I don't yeah. know. They feel comforting. I get that. I'm so glad. Sometimes you don't want, you know, art like we'll, we'll mm-hmm. talk about in a little bit. But, you know, sometimes you just want, you know, a good, stupid movie. Yeah. yeah. And I I like not liking things. <laughs> it's fun for me to be like, yeah, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> I can talk so much about something I dislike. <laughs> and I I will say I do Here's the thing. I don't think we should like stigmatize like old naked bodies because Old people got bodies. They're walking around with their naked bodies. How horrible is it if everybody was like, God, seeing you naked, I'd want to vom. Like, oh my God. Yeah. I will say, I do think that they do an interesting way of, you know, depicting her. Because she's she's a very slight woman and she does look old and like petite, like really old women do. And I think she makes like a a spooky silhouette, you know, because she's also trying to be creepy. And I think they, they do a good job of like giving you, if you were around an old person that made you feel scared, they tapped into that. I mean, I do. I, I think this actress does a great job, you know, like you said, because in the beginning we just see her and she, she's got like a button up, like cashmere sweater, you know, like yeah. buttoned all the way up to the top and, yeah, and her hair is just so, and and she's just very, you know, appearances are very important to her. And then, of course, you see her like disintegration, you yeah. know, throughout the movie, and and she's believable all the way mm-hmm. through. And yeah, I think it was just really, she. I think she she was really the the star. Of she this, the she owns star. this movie. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, maybe that's it. Maybe I can watch it so many times because at, her glimpses are like chef's kiss. Yes. The best part. They discover that line 337 on Deb's switchboard is constantly ringing. And they discover that that was the – oh, and th- there's another kind of thing she has where they find her naked in the attic just you know, putting the switchboard thing into it over and over and over again. And I love that scene too. That's a good um, one. But again, that that's just one that I thought Gavin kind of ruined for me because like when he goes up, he's like, what is that? You know, and because she's naked, you know, doing it. Yeah. And to me, it just is scary. Also for like, you know, Sarah, if you saw that, that would be just kind of traumatizing, wouldn't it? Like, yeah. you know, your poor 
your poor old mom naked and like going crazy at something. They're like, what's up with this 337? And they discover that that was the line for a local doctor and accused serial child. Was it confirmed? Like, like it is, but like, did, did did they actually? Okay. Yeah. So confirmed serial child, (laughs) cannibal and killer Henry day, Henry, fuck Henry day, Jardine. They say it like, um, Day Hardine, I think. Day Hardine. But I think Henry, it's it, it's a French name, so that it's the wrong Henri. pronunciation, but whatever. Yeah. So Henry Day Yardines. <laughs> <laughs> they never found him, so he's presumed to be missing. They never they never were and they you know, they describe these sad child murders. So Luis and Gavin also record audio of Deb speaking which sounds like in tongues at first, but they find out it's French, despite her not knowing French. And, you know, she's talking about sacrifices and snakes. So Harris, who's just kind of been this older guy who is a known good friend of Deborah, encourages Sarah to just send the film crew away. He's like, come on, this is too much on her, clearly. And he volunteers, you know, I'll sell my tractor to help pay for Deborah's care. And I really don't know why she didn't take him up on it. Yeah. <laughs> like, Mia in the movie, I think, is very sympathetic and like really sweet and really f- becomes invested in making sure that Deborah and Sarah are okay. But like, it's clearly having a poor effect on her. Yeah. Why wouldn't you stop? And somebody's saying, Oh, I'll give you that money that you're doing this for. But she doesn't. So they talk to an anthropology professor and they learn that Dehardine's backstory was full of uh, this concept of spiritual parasites. With his killings, he was trying to recreate an ancient Monacan ritual, and the Monacans are indigenous people in Virginia, that would make him immortal but require the deaths of five girls who had recently had their first period. I guess I didn't realize that they were using a indigenous ritual. That's pretty fucked up. Yeah, I wanted to look up the Monacans and like, yeah. you know... Yeah, see what what that was about. I I, I don't I don't I, I mean I hope they're made up, but I I mean but it, in in my notes it says that I, you know anyway it's like I I don't know. First off, I I find that very that's pretty inappropriate. I think mm-hmm. like you shouldn't use real cultural things as like ooh spooky thing that this horrible man did like you're painting this whole thing as like they're demons basically like those are real people yeah um so that that's fucked up i i don't know why i never caught that so yeah that would make this ritual would make him immortal but require the deaths of five girls who had recently had their first period gross he killed and cannibalized four girls but never was able to complete the ritual So Sarah asks Deb about him, and she says that he's not missing. He's dead. (laughs) She then vomits a bunch of dirt and earthworms up. And again, Sarah's taking her to the hospital. (laughs) And uh, like the the doctors are again just kind of like, um, I don't know. Like, does she garden? (laughs) Bro! (laughs) Like, she didn't. There's no bile. It's just dirt and worms. Yeah. It's as if you poured some dirt and worms and then th- that's what they did for the shot. <laughs> and she's just there. Like, it's so frustrating. I don't know how you could look at that and be like, um, 
I don't know, does she guard <laughs> I like the shot of her in bed, though, because she really looks so frazzled. Yeah. You know, her hair is just like, she's all sweaty and wet and... And she looks really pretty miserable, and and she's starting not to look like the lady we saw at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Looks, like, very ghoulish. Yeah. So Harris becomes pretty adamant at one point, gets Mm. drunk while they're at the house, and starts shooting up the crew members' trucks. This is crazy. And Gavin, you know, and I understand, Gavin's like, fuck this! And Mia's like, you know, they said they're going to pay for the windows. It'll be fine. He's like, no, it's not about the windows. And there's like a cop there. And she's like, you know, hey, do you want to press charges? And they're like, no. Listen, Harris is not a bad guy. But like, you sh- you can't do that. What? Like, he was shooting guns. <laughs> yeah. Not even in Virginia, you can't do that. Like, what he just gets away with it yeah anyways so sarah mia and louise discover that deborah had unsuccessfully tried to abduct cara minetti who is a young cancer patient in the same hospital that she's in but there's there's a great scene you know where they're looking for her and her her doctor's also there looking for her like this is a child like i know she's an old woman but i thought it was interesting that they wouldn't just have i don't know so, and why is it being filmed? Yeah, good question. Well, wait, I mean, they have it on like CCTV, basically. No, but it's like, the it's ha- not just that. What? Sorry, what? When they're like looking for her and they find oh. her, the first, yeah. Yeah. That's like, why would they have that? So Sarah calls, she's at her wit's end. She calls a priest. She's like, can you perform an exorcism? And I, I love this convo too, because he... You can tell she just – I think Sarah's a pretty good actress too and she is just so desperate and is like like trying to make somebody admit to her like, isn't this weird? Yeah. Isn't this abnormal? And he's just like, that stuff's like not real, you know? And I thought that was like a cool moment. I feel like I'm glad that there wasn't an exorcism because it yeah. kind of grounded it a little bit. Yeah. And I I – wondered about that though because i was like oh yeah because that that seems real like that that a priest would be like that's just movie stuff like we don't do that but i think some actually do do that yes but maybe they're like totally fringe like i don't know Mm. um yeah i mean i feel like there's people who do everything sure yeah but she was calling like so at the hospital uh, Harris visits Deb and Harris and and Harris visits Deb and she begs him to kill her and he starts to try to suffocate her with a pillow but this TV flies off the wall and hits him in the head and knocks him out. I was surprised this didn't kill him. So they Sarah finds out that he's, you know, in the hospital and so she rushes to his side and you know the hospital staff are like, "Ma'am, you can't be here," but she's trying to hear what he's saying. And he reveals to Sarah that Deborah actually killed Dehardines because she discovered that he wanted Sarah to be the fifth victim. Mm-hmm. So she was protecting him or protecting Sarah and buried his body in the yard. I lo- see. There's so many great parts of this there movie. Are. What a fucking badass she is. Yeah. She killed this serial child murderer. Like, that's sick. But also, wait. Sarah was at boarding school from age 10. 
Huh. How did Hardeen's like even know about her? Good question. When did she get her period? I mean, I guess yeah. she'd be home in the summers. But that's a good question. A little, Those two things don't that's a really little, match uh, up. Piece of, I mean, just a couple sentences could have fixed that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, when she was home for the summer that one year. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they don't do that. They don't do that. So, so the group find his remains, try to burn them, but they get, you know, blown back and it doesn't work. So the, yeah, the fire police explodes and Deborah succeeds in abducting Kara again. <laughs> she is persistent. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, she, and the way she gets out of those cuffs is pretty horrific. Like she's so withered away and like, she's so fine with it cutting her hand that she just like slips them right off. And goes, who, who is not protecting? Well, no, I guess she she also is like, she is kind of being possessed. And, you know, when she takes Kara, um, you know, she she just spits some venom at, at uh, the guard um, and leaves. So she takes her to the caves where Dehardines had carried out his murders. The sheriff follows Deborah and is killed. Sarah and Mia are also on the way. There's like a, you know, cute little, little scene, you know, they're trying to get there. Mia's freaking out. Sarah's like, <laughs> I thought this scene was funny because Sarah's all business. She's like, let's, we got to save this kid and save my mom. And Mia's like, okay, I'm going to help. And then has like a panic attack. And Sarah is kind of <laughs> seems genuinely annoyed. She's like, come on, you got to get it together. <laughs> um, And they find Deb and where they find what they find is the most iconic scene of the movie. If you look up this movie, that's what you're going to see on the internet. It's why I watched the movie. Yeah. I saw a gif of it. There's a great thing of like Deborah's head and body have grown and her like head is huge and she has the mouth of a snake and she's just holding Kara there and is trying to swallow her head whole and it's really well well animated because the way that like she's moving really does feel like a snake like the way that they kind of i don't know undulate mm-hmm. um it's and they they do just kind of linger there i think i guess i would do the same thing of like what the fuck am i looking at um and they stop her um and you know she then turns and screams at them there's another great shot of her with them giant snake mouth and they they hold her off. Um, you know, Sarah tries to inject her with the sedative, but it's not doing that much. And they are able to burn Dehardine's corpse, and that ends it. Yeah. Um, Sarah and Deborah reunite. Her body is all burned, like the 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 remains, and she just looks horrible. We then cut to some news footage that tells first that the that Kara is totally fine her cancer's in remission um oh sorry that that comes later cut that cut that um, <laughs> we get a news coverage that states that Deborah was found unfit to stand trial for the death of Sheriff Tweed and we see her you know getting wheeled off um they don't they didn't have enough they they didn't have enough to pay more actors so we just see her doctor again this woman is like on retainer. <laughs> like she doesn't do anything else but help Deborah. Right. Sarah's there too. As there's paparazzi. Um 
And, you know, Deb looks horrible. But hey, here's some good news. Kara's cancer is in remission. We see this cute little birthday party she's having. She was bald before. Now she's got a head full of hair. And there's th- this interview is pretty cute. I felt like this was really adorable. The interviewer is like, hey, you know, what are you going to do with your life now? And she's like, I don't know. Um, and he asks her like, you know, a few questions and just, I don't know. And, you know, then he begins talking like, well, you just heard the great story of Kara and the camera just stays on Kara as she turns and just smiles. So I guess she's possessed. Yeah. How that makes sense. I don't know, but it's okay. I guess they wanted to leave the door open for a sequel. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. If you're going to do a continuation, do the prequel where Deb kills Stehardine. Yeah. That would be cooler. That would be sick. I'll watch that movie. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And now that we've had, you know, Orphan first kill, you know. You can do it. Yeah. You know, I don't see why not. Precedent has been set. (laughs) This will be the pearl (laughs) to the X. Yeah, buddy. (laughs) So we can jump to, what phobia is that? Gerontophobia. Am I saying that right? I think so. Is the fear of age-related self-degeneration or a hatred or fear of the elderly? (laughs) I I guess not. I don't have a hatred or fear of the elderly, but age-related self-degeneration is something I unfortunately think about all the time. I think uh, that's the second one. Oh. Specifically. Oh, Jurassicophobia. Yeah. Fear of getting older. Mm-hmm. And Ophidiophobia is an extreme, overwhelming fear of snakes. I like that, uh, that amendum or addendum because I think everybody has a healthy fear of snakes. Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. But this is like. By this way, is. PSA. Yeah. I don't know if people still do this, but there was a trend on like. TikTok a while ago to put a cucumber by a cat and the cat would like jump straight into the air. And the reason they do that is that they perceive them to be snakes. It's such a deep, like instinctive thing. thing. So it's not funny. You're scaring the shit out of your cat. So please don't do that. I hate any, I see so many TikToks where there's just some kind of manhandling or something of a cat or like, there's a cat clearly in distress, and before you go to help them, you film them. I don't know. Couldn't be me because I prefer to take care of my animal and make sure that she's not in distress if I can help it. Yeah. Like, And the thing is, cat videos that are just the cats being themselves and cute are always one million times better. Like, they're funny on their own. They're yeah. hilarious. You don't have to do weird shit to them. No, you don't. But Branwyn, I accidentally did that to Branwyn once. I totally didn't mean to. She has a little toy. Um, Basically, it's like a wand that I cut the thing off of. She just likes playing with the string. And I had it on the ground because I was planning on playing with her. And she was sitting with her back turned and it she kind of moved back and it touched her foot and she did the jump. And I was like, no, (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) <laughs> i don't i that that was an accident i don't think you yeah did, yeah don't you do it on set purpose. up the camera and you know yeah do it five times and yeah to get the best shot yeah Ugh. people get it together well here's one of my favorite segments it's called como si dice don't look now in italiano 
the taking of Deborah Logan, um, a lot of the titles and a lot of languages were was just the taking, mm. um, which is fine. Yeah, that's um, interesting. But in Croatian, it, it was obsessed. That's, you know what I just think of is that movie with Beyonce and Ali Larder. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in French, it's the strange case of Deborah Logan. That's pretty good. In Mexican Spanish, it's bloody prophecy. Why? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, here's some trivia. Did not know this. Filmed in North Carolina. Outside Charlotte. Oh, my goodness. We (laughs) love to see it. Well, when Deborah Logan's switchboard explodes, a split I saw a split second glimpse of her final form flashes on the screen. I was like, that's lame. <laughs> you don't like that? I just if you're gonna make a movie that's just a creative artsy movie, I really don't care what you do with the visuals if they're cool. But it if to me, the point of found footage is the realism. Don't make it a found footage movie. If you're not going to stick to it, because yeah. that you're selling us a shitty, a shittily made movie, but the point of it is that it's shittily made because it's realistic. So you just failed on both fronts. <laughs> <laughs> it just looks like shit. <laughs> oh yeah, and I mean that's the thing is it doesn't because it just it, it looks like it was shot with a movie camera. Yeah, that bugs me. Um. <laughs> This isn't no please please no diss to the actress who plays Mia, but I could tell on very many occasions I was like, this bitch is Aussie. <laughs> <laughs> Most of her accent was really good. Um, but um it does slip in a little bit. And I, I totally missed it, but yeah, we looked her up and she was Confirmed I guess she was a, on a, a TV show um, oh. called Neighbors. Interesting. I liked her. She was cute. Yeah, she's cute. 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 Around the 2945 runtime, there is a still shot of Deborah sitting by a piano and slowly turning her head around to face the camera. As the shot gradually fades to black, Deborah's face briefly changes to that of the entity that has taken control of her mind and body. I don't remember that. I don't either. I'll have to look that up. I will I forgot to mention there's a great scene where Mia is washing the some blood off of Deb's hands from, you know, when she has an episode and Deb is just looking at her with this, like such intense malice, but not saying anything. And Mia's just like, um, <laughs> like, okay. And gosh, the actress who played Deborah Logan is just amazing. The town that this movie takes place in is called eczema. And I noted this too. I was like, Oh, like exhum. Cool. The filming took place in Charlotte Region, North Carolina, and Creative Network Studios. Additional stunt doubles were used in place of Mia, Deborah, and others. Vincent Guastani did the special effects. He said that he was impressed with the script and wanted to work with the filmmakers. He described his relationship with Robitel as truly a collaborative effort. He agreed with Robitel's choice to limit the amount of footage seen of the transformation, as he felt this added more believability and truth. I think also, unfortunately, what it does, though, is it does make, like, only, like, five seconds of your movie yeah, scary. <laughs> the rest of it is not that scary. 
Yeah, and so that's why they throw in the stuff of like her hopping up on the cabinet. Because they got nothing you know? else. This would have made a great short film. Mm, yeah. But unfortunately, I guess there's just not as much you can get out of making a short film. But I think despite it only being 90 minutes, this would work so much better, like half the length. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of like lost time where they're like, let's walk up these stairs and whisper the whole time yeah. and look at this door that's never open, but it's open right now. What? It's like, guys, I mean, you Come just on. took a minute to do all that. And it's like, why? You remove like all the tension that you've built. And it sucks because I, I always do find it to be a shame whenever there's an actor who does an amazing job and you like fumbled with their whole performance because and like they're the only shining light in your movie. <laughs> um but no I think the special effects were great. A lot of the costuming was great. I just wish that the the skeleton had been given to somebody who was a better writer. No offense. What does Letterboxd have to say about it? Mm-hmm. Well Dora gave it a half star and said Fun how they made her escape and act crazy and then be normal the next day. And then they did that 20 more times. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. To, I would agree, Dora. Alder gave it a half star and said, Alzheimer's is scary, but not as scary as being jump scared with an anti-indigenous storyline. Boo. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucked up. Yilmar gave it a half star and said, <laughs> Deborah's head game must be crazy. <laughs> Why? <laughs> oh, I get it. <laughs> but I'm. T- you know what, Mac? I did not. Did. I did not realize that's what that person was saying. <laughs> and it's fine. That's a funny joke. But I, I, right over my head. Ha. <laughs> Did not get that. <laughs> that is so funny. Because <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Half Bones gave it a half star and said, if the Blair Witch was a fucking dumpster fire, I would say, no, that's the Blair Witch 2 or whatever. The... The newest Blair Witch. I watched that recently. That was a fucking dumpster fire. Oh, wow. Okay, I'll avoid it. Luca the Cryptid gave it a half star and said, I watched this on freebie with ads. I was more happy when the ads came on than when I was watching the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Antonio gave it a half star and said, I'm currently suing the production company for my time back. (laughs) Patrick gave it a half star. This shit was ass, bro. <laughs> Saval gave it a half star and said, this is a fucking hate crime. And yeah, I truly, I feel bad. <laughs> I've watched it so many times now. Like, <laughs> I truly didn't catch that, but that is so messed up. Yeah. Somebody with uh, an emoji for a name gave it five stars and said, gilf, 100 emoji. <laughs> Short but sweet. <laughs> Ren gave it five stars and said, holy fucking shit. I'm not usually scared by movies, but this is something different. The beginning enough is haunting, especially with a grandmother that has dementia. I see so much of my mother and my grandmother in both Sarah and Deborah. 
It made this movie so much more chilling. It just got even more insane during the second half, and I couldn't pry myself away from the screen. I'm so glad, Ren. Me too. Lynx gave it five stars and said, Mia, better have gotten the best fucking grade. (laughs) 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 Yeah, thank God nobody died, really. Yeah, really. Oh my gosh. Somebody with the name gave it five stars and said, I thought that the old lady was kind of spooky. Mads Ray gave it five stars and said, I feel bad for those diagnosed with Alzheimer's and those who are possessed by demons. You know, same. <laughs> I feel so bad. And both. Audrey Latt gave it five stars. Absolutely chilling. The final sequence has the same vibe as As Above, So Below, and I love it. As an aside, I think that movie is bad. The plot was great. It was very suspenseful, and I was actually scared watching this movie. The special effects were awesome, and the plot twist was unexpected. If you're a fan of found footage films, this one is a must-watch. Well, you have bad taste, so I can see why you like this You know what I was thinking about the other day is uh, Grave Encounters, man. That is a good-ass film. That's a good movie. That's a good one. Like, found footage wasn't invented by them, but I feel like they truly set, you know, well, I mean, Wreck did, but I think- Wreck is great. Yeah. I mean, and, that one is really like the best. Yeah, but. that one. Yeah, I would I would have to say that one is the best. I need to watch it again. Ganjam Haunted Asylum. So good. <sighs> so good. I think Grave Encounters walked so Ganjam Haunted Asylum could run. Absolutely. <laughs> well, how would we rate this? How about in Trowels? Yeah, uh, three. Hmm. Uh, three. Two and a half. Ooh. <laughs> I really, I really am shocked about that. You know what? One. <gasps> I'm shocked about that um, indigenous thing. I, I had no idea. And that is just such a, a shitty thing to do for profit for your horror movie. Like... Come on. I just think that sucks. It sucks, again, because I think there are so many great things. I wish somebody else would have done that stuff. Yeah. I wish someone else made this movie. <laughs> That's how I feel. How about you? Uh, oh, you said three? I, yeah, I I think it's a solid, scary... It's not. It's not... It's not good. No. But it does like you said, it has good ideas in it. It's sort of like yeah. you watch it and you're like, oh, like it could have been something yeah. really good. I um, see the movie you could be. Jill Larson does a great job as Deborah yes. Logan. Um, it. And I think that I mean I mean, if it weren't for her, the movie wouldn't be worth watching at all. Yeah. Yeah. I would give it no star. Yeah. If it weren't for her. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, we should look up the Monacan people and see, like, you know, yeah. what's up with them. Now, would you have been okay with it if it was a completely fictionalized group of indigenous people who had, no? I feel like tying it also to indigenous is just so whack, you mm-hmm. know? it's. I feel like it's still implying that these are, like, you know, woo, spooky things, and it's only spooky because it's not because you don't know anything about it, you know. Yeah. It would have been so much better if it was just a cult. 
Yeah, why not? I mean, why people why people do cults so well? <laughs> Just make it a cult. Yeah, it was Alistair, right there. Alistair Crowley shit, you know, like or it maybe is right like there. some yeah, like come on, come on, you can. Or he could have just been a fucking weirdo. Yeah, I, yeah. So many, and that, that's the thing is like you could just not have done that. And there, you would have had one extra star. For you would have made it to two stars. <laughs> well, what have we learned? Uh, don't bury the creepy child murderer in your backyard. I don't think anybody would have blamed you for killing him. They would have. I mean, you can't just murder people, even if they intend to harm your child. I mean, maybe not morally they wouldn't have blamed her, but I mean, legally, yeah, you, yeah. you can't. But burying him in the backyard was bad juju. You know what? I don't like this movie. I mean, <laughs> that's. I mean, the 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 bad taste, you know, in using the indigenous plotline aside. Mm-hmm. Like, why did the TV fly off the wall and hurt Harris? I, you know, there's like stuff that just doesn't gel. And like, why is this guy coming back? Like, that is bizarre to me like why what power does he have to yeah, do all he this was, like, dying of cancer that's why he wanted to like live forever yeah but he died so, so like, yeah so what is waking him up now yeah i feel like i don't know you could oh, have he could have just you know, been a tr- what so mac you know why it's because she has alzheimer's so it's there's the spiritual parasite thing Oh. She's in a weakened state. Okay. But it's like, what? why, how can he do that? Like how, yeah. possessing her, okay. But the, yeah, like you said, the making the TV fly off, the jumping onto the counter. Why would he do that? Uh, it doesn't, yeah. It doesn't make any, because also and- why did she, <laughs> why did he do that? It doesn't make <laughs> any sense. Just make the movie of Deborah Save, like, I don't know. You could have had flashbacks, had, I don't know, something like that. Or maybe she didn't. She thought she killed him, but then he comes back to try to kill them again. Ooh, I like that. That could be neat. Well, would we watch it again? Not anymore. Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. I th- I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with you, De- Deborah Logan. But do you have a favorite scene slash death? It's got to be the one of her eating the kid. That's pretty cool. I And her at the switchboard, I thought was pretty creepy. Yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah, it's scary. I Seeing anybody be so frantic like that is just freaky. Yeah, it's very scary. Yeah. Well, that was the taking of Deborah Logan. Wah, <laughs> <laughs> wah. <laughs> Well, here's the brief plot summary from IMDb for Relic. A daughter, mother, and grandmother are haunted by a manifestation of dementia that consumes their family's home. This film was written and directed by Natalie Erica James and co-written by Christian White. And it stars Emily Mortimer, Robin Nevin, and Bella Heathcote. The cinematography is by Charlie Saroff. And it was released on the 25th of January, 2020 at Sundance. 
the 7th of March 2020 in the US and the 7th of October 2020 in Australia. It has a running time of 89 minutes. And I think I watched it on Prime. Same. I did the IFC free trial. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we open on this stained glass window that will be important um, throughout the whole plot and an overflowing bathtub. Edna is naked and looking at the flashing lights of the Christmas tree. And that's all before the title card. All right. So Kay is Edna's daughter and she gets a call and and the caller tells her that the neighbors have not seen Edna, the mom, for a few days. And so Kay and her daughter, Sam, travel to their remote family home to look for her. They discover the house is locked from the inside. So I like this. Sam crawls through the doggy door to get in. Um, They find rotten fruit in a bowl. Edna's bed is empty. There's some handheld action here. (laughs) And they see some sticky notes around the house with messages like take pills and flush in the bathroom. Sam calls and Sam calls her mother by her first name. Yeah. I like that detail. I do too. That tells you a lot. Yeah. Instantly. At the police station, Kay reveals she hasn't spoken to her mother in a few weeks. And I like this scene too, because She's like, you know how it is. And like, he, he doesn't know her at all, Yeah, you know, but she's trying to, you know, a- apologize to him for not being in closer contact with her own mom. She feels the need to like defend herself because yeah. she feels so guilty about it. And he's like, "I look, I'm just trying to get like a timeline yeah. here. Yeah. But back of the house, Sam sees that the bedroom she's going to use is stuffed with boxes of photos and she hears a mysterious scraping sound. She grabs some linens from a closet and discovers a strange black mold-like substance on the wall. Mold is so creepy. It is. Park Chanuk thinks the same. He does. (laughs) So Sam reveals to her mom that she stopped working at the gallery and is now working at a bar. And they get into a little tiff about all that, but... Then Kay says that she's glad that Sam is there. And she's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And Sam's like, I think you're doing it. So yeah. that was kind of a nice little moment. And yeah, that I like was that. a very just efficient use of dialogue to just yeah. describe this relationship. That night, Sam is out smoking a J, as the kids say. <laughs> no. <Nope>. Um, <laughs> on the lanai. What's a lanai? I hope it's a lanai. What is that? I don't know. It's like a, oh, like a little porch. Never heard anyway, that word. I don't know. I don't know if it's a lanai or not. But anyway, she's outside smoking a, a doobie. And um, she's visited <laughs> by their young neighbor, Jamie, who says that he has not been to visit Edna for a while after his father told him not to go to the house. So I love this scene so much because then – you know, she asks him, like, well, do you want to come inside, like, just for a second? I can get you a glass of water. And he just kind of looks at the house and looks back at her and goes, no, and walks away. And I feel like it's so unsettling, you know, because it's like, here's this sweet guy, you know, yeah. who just won't go in. No. And that's the house you're staying in. I feel like it's so, that would be so creepy. Yeah, I agree. So the women notice that there are some new locks in the house. And Kay says that a few weeks ago, her mom called and said that she was afraid someone was trying to get in. And Sam's like, well, why don't you tell me that? Like, did you tell the police that? I Yeah, I thought that too. <laughs> like, 
all these scenes are great. I don't know. I feel like the fact that they have the three generations is so cool. It's like you can tell that Kay was really, you know, did not have an easy childhood with her mom, but is kind of continuing the cycle a little bit with Sam, but in a different way, you know, in a way that's both informed by Edna's parenting, but then also, you know, I feel like she's trying to be better, but she's not. No. Yeah. And there's just like, and there's a closeness between Edna and Sam. Which is awkward for Kay. Yeah. And I love, yeah. it's such I can see it of like, you know, Sam is getting treated in a way that she never did. Right. Probably. And that's gotta be frustrating. But she also is being childish about it. You know? Sam she is? No, Kay is. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's really Sam is truly kind of having to be the most mature one, which I think is also so interesting. Yeah, I feel like it you know, Kay is Kay is both belittling her for not being where she needs to be, where Sam is the most emotionally intelligent one in the room, you mm-hmm. know? So it is kind of like, you know, well, you're being immature to me, but you, like, Kay just seems to think, you know, she has her life put together a certain way, so she's, she's good. She's not. She's not. Sam and Kay grow incre- increasingly disturbed by a loud creaking from inside the walls and the appearance of more black mold throughout the house. This is a sweet moment. Sam puts on one of Edna's sweaters and sort of smells it. And she finds a crumpled up sticky note in the pocket that says, do not follow it. (laughs) (laughs) And then she hears a mysterious slam sound. Um, And then we cut to Kay and she knocks very quietly on the wall and then she hears a shuffling sound behind the wall and then a loud slam from inside the wall. Mm. Kay experiences a nightmare of um, some just really creepy images. We get the picture of the cabin that we'll um, learn about in a little bit. And there's a withered, rotting corpse. And it's we, we hear the flies buzzing and... In her dream, she's just sort of coming upon this body. And so what I I gather is that that is a real memory. Yeah. That she came upon her, I guess, what, great-great-grandfather? He had just been forgotten, like, in the cabin. And then he was, like, in such a state of, like, putrefaction and rot. And this child found him. Oh my God. So it's no wonder she's having nightmares being back at the house and she crawls into bed with her daughter. <laughs> um, Sam's Again. like, what's going on? She's like, don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thought that was pretty sweet. It's sweet. But yet again, Sam is like, you know, yeah, the parent. I find this so interesting. So the next morning, Kay finds Edna has returned. Um, she's barefoot and she's muddied. And she doesn't say anything about her disappearance. <laughs> this would be so frustrating. I know. Like, <laughs> I mean, we have shots of people like yelling for her, like in the woods, like there's yeah. a birch party. And people she have been just, organized. Like, making tea in the kitchen, you know, like nothing Whatever. happened. Okay. One thing about this movie, if you haven't seen it, Wohos, it's very slow moving. I mean, yeah. there 
about the last, I would say, 25 minutes, a lot kicks off. But it's an hour and a half movie. And there's a lot of, it's very slow. Like, yeah, very slow. And I'm okay with it. But I think if you were in the wrong headspace, you'd be like, what the fuck? Like, would something happen? And I feel like things are constantly happening. But it's just that kind of thing where you just have to watch really carefully and just Mm -hmm. like go at the pace of the movie. And you have to think um, about like what we've been talking about. I feel like it's one of those movies that if you're just like, you know, watching it, um, I'm not even trying to say like, well, you have to have like a, you know, a strong mind. It's just more like, I think like you said, like you might be thinking, Ooh, spooky movie. And then you're like, Oh, snooze. But it's just not that kind of movie. Right. So a a doctor, I kind of like this. The doctor comes to the house and like takes her, her blood pressure and stuff. And we find out and she goes, "Uh, what's your birthday, Edna? And she goes, April 10th. (laughs) Oh yeah. I remember that. I was like, mom. (laughs) And then she's like, what's your daughter's birthday? You know, so she knows like her mind seems to be, you know, uh, um, she has mental acuity or whatever. But the only problem is she seems to have a very, very deep bruise on on her chest. And the doctor's like, where'd you get that? You know, she's like, I don't know. I must have knocked myself, I guess. And she sort of responds like this, like when Kay asked her, where were you? And she goes, I must have gone out. Mm -hmm. So it's very vague and very frustrating. Yeah. So following a visit from the doctor, Edna is found to be mostly of sound mind without injury, except for that bruise, which resembles mold. So the doctor says she doesn't want Edna on her own for a few weeks. And now this means that at least one of the women is going to have to stay, which throws Kay into a bit of a tizzy. Mm Mm-hmm. Edna gifts Sam with her old wedding ring. And that's a very nice thing too, you know, mm-hmm. and first Sam doesn't want to take it. And she goes, well, I mean, your mom gave it a go and, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sam stumbles on an old book that Kay's father had drawn featuring her as a little girl. I love this. This book is so cool. Yeah. This is the art book, right? Yeah. So it just, the page that she's she has open is a little girl K in her bed, and mm-hmm. it says, um, "My little terror." Oh, yes, K, my so little cute. terror, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it shows like pictures of the pine trees, but then it shows the picture of the cabin. The picture um, is so beautiful. Yeah, it's so gorgeous. So. Sam's like, well, what's that all about? And apparently there was a cabin that was on the property. And Kay says that her great grandfather lived there and that Edna used to threaten Kay with locking her in there when she was being a brat. Who? that's scary. That's pretty scary. You know, sidebar, um, I had a friend who once told me that when he was a kid, he would get locked in the closet. And he just sort of said it like, I deserved it. And, you know, when I was being it. And I was like, oh, my God, that is fucking child abuse yeah like, ah, you know it was fine i'm like N- it was not fine no you know i <laughs> saw this tiktok that was like the first person said like when the funny friend starts opening up about their childhood and they just <laughs> had a horrified face and then the next one was <laughs> me the funny friend telling an absolutely hilarious story about my childhood <laughs> 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 i thought that was so good <laughs> <laughs> 
So this cabin has that stained glass window that we saw in the opening shot. It'll be the last shot as well. Um, and so I, I, I guess, you know, the, the film is called Relic. And so I think this is one of the, the, the things that could be described as the relic. Mm. Um, the old man was neglected, like, profoundly. And that, that window was then put into the door of this house where Kate grew up. And so I think that's, I, I mean, I think it's, it's pretty clear that there's a lot of generational trauma um, mm-hmm. described in this movie. And um, I think it's fine. Like some people were complaining, like, oh, it's so like literal and the symbolism. Is, I'm like, I, I, it's, I'm fine with it. I'd rather you be very clear about what you're saying than, you know, be sort of wishy-washy with that kind of thing. So, yeah. Kay tells Sam that she plans to move Edna into a retirement home, um, given that it seems like Edna can't take care of herself. And that night, Kay wakes to find Edna sleepwalking toward the front door, whispering, it's things like, it's nothing. There's no one. You're scaring me. Oh, and I think it should be noted, when she tells Sam this, Sam's immediately like, why can't she live with you? Mm-hmm. And Kay just shuts it down like, no, I mean, that wouldn't work. Like, I can't, I can't do that. Um, and, you know, Sam doesn't, doesn't agree with it. Um, and I, yeah, I just love that these two have a completely different relationship with Edna. Yeah. And Sam's like, well, isn't that how it works? Like, yeah, you changed your nappies when you were a baby. And so now you change her nappies. Isn't, you know, Mm -hmm. but Kay's like, oh no, 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 no. Yeah. That's not happening. (laughs) So after being brought to bed, Edna is convinced that there's something hiding under the bed and urges Kay to check. And um, this is kind of odd to me because Kay, first she's like, there's nothing. And then Edna's like, are you sure? And then she looks and and there is something. Yeah, something kind of shifts. Yeah. We don't know what. It's just sort of like the light kind of shifts. And then Edna, like, Conks her on the head with a book. No, she drops the book and that surprises her and she like lifts her head up. Oh, okay. Bonks it on the bed. Oh, okay. And then Kay's like, you did that on purpose. And and Edna says that, that she isn't. But she doesn't look under the bed again. Like she yeah. moves on. I feel like we just might like people just assume like, well, I just was like seeing something. Yeah. And that completely took her out of it. Right. Yeah. So the next day, Sam and her grandmother share a tender moment until Edna suddenly grows cold and accuses Sam of stealing from her. And she snatches the ring off of Sam's finger um, pretty violently. So that's that's pretty upsetting. Then we get some extreme Dutch angle action, and we see a figure behind a frosted window at the end of the Mm -hmm. corridor. And then we get the scene with Sam in the bathtub. This is pretty good. Yeah. So Sam's in the bathtub. We see that her finger is very badly bruised from mm-hmm. having the ring yanked from it. And there's a shadow underneath the door, which seems to suggest that there's somebody standing on the other side of the door. Mm. But Sam's like, Gran? And there's no response. But then there's a bunch of scratching at the door. <sighs> it's like, it truly is so scary. Um, 
Hitchcock got just like hit the nail on the head with when you're in such a vulnerable state, like the idea of somebody coming inside your like little bath or shower castle is so scary. And I feel like, I feel like the granddaughter is the only one who's sort of cottoning on that there is like something else going on. Yeah. In the house. She's the only one in the family who recognizes the cycle. (laughs) (laughs) I'm loving this movie more talking about it. Oh, good. When Kay goes to Melbourne to have a look at the retirement home and stuff, she, she does. And I, this, maybe this is an Aussie thing, or maybe it's just like an advertising, you know, thing, but um, Kay's asking questions of the, of the person and she goes, well, it's five star living. I just, (laughs) (laughs) but then um, we see Kay crying in the car, but that's her plan, you know, to have Edna go move somewhere like that. And Sam tells her that like, she's like, you know, Gran, I could move in with you. I could help you out. And, and it's like, Oh no, 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 I don't think so. And she's like, well, isn't that better than going into a retirement home? That's what Kay's looking into right now. So then when Kay comes back, um, Edna has thrown away um, some of Kay's like um, report cards from when she was a kid. And Kay sees them in the trash and she's like, why are you throwing these out or whatever? And Edna says, well, I have to make room because she's moving in. Mm -hmm. And Kay's like, oh no, you're confused, mom. She's not moving in. Mm -hmm. So there's a bunch of tension there. And then Edna says, how was Melbourne? How was Melbourne? Sorry. I know that's not the right pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> Angry Aussies in Melbourne. <laughs> Melbourne. <laughs> um, Edna says a bunch of cryptic stuff about where she thought it got in. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a bit of spooky stuff with the knocking washing machine. I paused this. Is it that there's no clothes in the washing machine? Like what's... I don't remember. So... I mean, a lot of people would probably experience this with like a knocking washing machine or dryer, you know, some old appliance in the middle of the night, and then you go into the basement, and mm-hmm. um, that's all it is. But I, but there's there's a there's a pause, and I think it's full of water, but I don't think there's any clothes in there. Ah, something um, I will say with this movie is. I think most of it's very beautiful, but it falls, it does this sinful thing that so many horror movies do nowadays is like when it's dark, you can't see a fucking thing. Yeah. Cause I honestly don't remember much of this because I probably was like, what am I looking at? Like I had the brightness up all the way and I was like, what is happening? Yeah. It can be dark and you can still show us what's going on. And if you don't, you're just not good at making a movie. Sorry. Like, you should have learned that in film school. Like you can't have a part in your movie where I'm supposed to be looking at something, but I can't see anything. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree with that. Kay has another dream, but now um, her mom is inside the cabin. Mm. So she sees um, from outside her mom sitting in the window, and then it's her mom's figure on the bed that falls over. and. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that we haven't mentioned is that Edna's hobby or the way she expresses her creative side is with carving um, candles. And I love that too. And I was thinking about candles and how um, candles change form, obviously, and they wither oh. away when they're used. But she, 
I, and I've lo- I love I love watching people do this in real life, like carving mm-hmm. the 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 wax. Um, but Sammy sees that Edna has hurt herself while cutting the wax, and Edna flies into a rage, and she's like, "It's my room, it's my house, you know, get out." And then I thought this was kind of cool. Sam runs down the stairs, but it's longer than it should be. It's like yeah. one more story than it should be. So I thought that was kind of... Things are just getting weird. Yeah, things are getting weird. And they're going to get real weird for Sam. So then Sam goes to visit Jamie's father, Alex, to ask what happened with Jamie and why he won't come inside the house. So it turns out that the last time Jamie was over there, they were playing hide and seek and Jamie hid and Edna locked him in this room, in this closet. And he's like, I think she forgot they were playing, but Jamie was in there for hours. And so when Alex went to the house, he could hear Jamie, you know, screaming from upstairs. And um, so... So it was audible. It's like, you might be able to think like, oh, or you might could say, oh, well, she didn't realize and locked him. But then how was she there while he was just screaming? Yeah. Kind of suspicious. So he's being really nice about it. So he's like, yeah, so we thought we'd take a step back, you know. And she's Mm -hmm. like, I am really sorry that happened to Jamie. And he goes, okay. And then he walks away. I like like that a lot. I like that a lot. Like, yeah, I would probably feel the same way. Kind of like, all right, thanks. um, Bye forever. (laughs) But when Sam goes into the closet later, she sees that the scratches are still there on the door. And it reminded me of Amityville Horror. Mm Mm-hmm. And like, it's just like, it's a spooky concept. The only good scene of like, you know, the babysitter has like bloodied her, her knuckles, like knocking on the door. Yeah. Back of the house, Kay follows Edna into the garden. <laughs> and um, this is the kind of thing that probably showed up in the in the uh, trailer. But Edna is is eating the photos. Like, she's just mm-hmm. trying to consume them. And when Kay tries to intervene, Edna bites her and storms off and then attempts to bury the album in the soil. And this is, I think, I mean... The actor does such a fantastic job, but this scene is just amazing. I would watch this scene, like, I would show this scene to an acting class. This is just really an incredible thing. But anyway, she's saying that she thinks that burying the album in the the ground, it'll be safer there. And she says that she wishes she could bury herself in the ground so that it couldn't find her. And... And the uh, it is dementia, right? Yeah, the it yeah. is dementia. Like she doesn't want to lose like her memories of all these people that she loves yeah. and then lose herself. Yeah. And Kay is like, I'm so sorry I wasn't there for you. I'm I'm there for you now. Like, please come live with me. And so Edna sort of like nods, um, like she was she's agreeing to that. But then she goes, Where's everyone? And then she keeps repeating that. And Kay's like, no, they're in your book. Like, they're here and I'm here. But I don't think that's what Edna means. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think, you know, I mean, I'm in the very, very early stages of experiencing this. But I mean, when you get older, you lose people, you know. Mm -hmm. And I, as I'm losing people, 
now as a person in my 50s, I know it's just going to continue to happen. And it's, yeah. it's when, this lady's in her 80s. So yeah. just think of, of all the people. Um, but she's so lost. And uh, anyway, I think it's just a brilliant little moment and the perfect snapshot of what I imagine it's like. Yeah, the fear and like, also like the pain of losing. I don't want to go on too long, Mac, but I wanted to ask you as, um, I don't even know what generation you're in. Are you? I, th- I think millennial. Okay. Cause I feel like I have, I, I, I don't know. I don't relate all the way to Gen Zers. But how do you feel about paper photographs? I actually, this is so interesting uh, because I was just thinking about this um, because I saw dad last weekend and he gave me, or he didn't give me to to them to me yet, but he was showing me all these photo albums, like scrapbooks that his mom had made. And, you know, she had made so many with like all these captions that were like so lovingly made. And I was like, that's incredible, you know, like, so I, I think digital photos are great. And, you know, those, those cute little slideshow frames you can get are great. But I also think that there is just something so tangible about, you know, a photo, like, I have this picture of Alan that I took with like, just a Polaroid when we went to, you know, uh, like a garden. And I love that photo, you know, um, I remember at my old job, I was I had um uh a coworker from Ukraine and she was telling me that over the weekend she was going to make a scrapbook. She had very little kids and she was like cuz I want them to be able to like see, you know, I want to remember how I feel and I want them to see and I just was like that's amazing. Like that's great. That's such a great thing to do, you know. So, I would say I love them. And seeing all those scrapbooks that my grandma had made made me want to make some. Oh, very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's kind of funny the way, you know, as we're moving into like more and more digital photos, um, I don't know what company came up with the idea of then printing them, you know, yeah. back yeah. on like, <laughs> paper, you know. But That's um, a good idea. It's a great idea. Yeah. I mean, I have like some photos like in my office, I mean, I don't really, honestly, I don't have any very many paper photos unless they're very old <laughs> anymore. Yeah, same. But I do like having them. Mm-hmm. Sam discovers a hidden passageway to another part of the house and she enters, but she quickly becomes lost as the corridor begins to loop. And she sees a sticky with, my name is Edna on it. And These, um, these sticky notes start to really hit you right in the gut. Yeah, they really do. And I, you know, dementia isn't always handled in the best way, but this kind of reminded me of at spoiler for a 20 year old TV series from Sweden, but um, (laughs) in the Kurt (laughs) Volander series, he, he uh, develops dementia at the end of, of the series. And at one point we just see him walk into his house go up into his closet and he has made notes in his closet. 
of different people's names and stuff. And it's mm. just so, uh, it's just so heartbreaking because then we, the audience understand that, mm-hmm. you know, he's in decline. Disoriented and afraid, she starts to scream and bang on the walls. And I saw a little making of movie, a very short one on YouTube. And this was shot at the very end of the shoot. And mm. they said, basically, the director said that basically, Bella Heathcote had to cry for four days like, wow. inside this thing that they had built. <laughs> Jeez. I wanted to ask um, for your, uh, your sharp literary mind, do you think, what do you think is like the the symbolism here? Is it like she's wading through her, like I was thinking maybe like, cause I mean, obviously it's, you know, talking also about just dementia you know her in this like liminal space but like i was also thinking is she is this so distressing because she's kind of wading through maybe like her family's like you know the inside of it because i i feel like sometimes like you know a lot you get shielded like if there's things that your parents can shield you from they do of your own family um but I'll say without giving too much or without like, I don't know, airing too much out. Like when I was talking with my dad about these scrapbooks, I was learning about things I never knew about from his childhood and about his mom and his relationship with her. And man, I got to say, I understand why he did not tell me. But at the same time, it made so many things make sense. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, having this clarity and like, you know, e- even if I, even if, like, you know, we had fights or something and like that really hurt at the same time, knowing now why, like, this is kind of part of your psyche makes me feel so much better and makes me know and understand you so much more. And like, maybe you were trying to shield me from it, but I'm, I'm coming out of it with a new appreciation of like who you are, you know? And so I don't know. I was thinking maybe that was like, but it is distressing to hear some things and you're like, oh my God, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. I know. I think I've said th- some things over the years to you and you're just like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that part of the story. Um, I think I think she's in, you know, symbolically inside her grandmother's mind. Yeah. And when she first is going into this space – just like when she went into the first bedroom, it's just like packed and mm-hmm. she's got to like move things out of the way to even like enter into this corridor. And that's a scary thing too, I have to say, mm-hmm. um, ha- having uh, lost a mother who was, I-, I guess we could, I think I could safely say she was borderline quarter, mm-hmm. and it's terrifying to just open up cabinet after cabinet and just like, I mean, it's funny. And then it's like, you want to cry because it it, it just shows the state of her mind, I guess. And, mm. and it, it's very scary. <laughs> yeah. And it's scary it's like, for I- me to like get a glimpse of what was going on with my mom. Yeah. Things that you'd never see because it's somebody's like private belongings. Yeah. And yeah, it's like Edna's not dead yet in the story but this is what families have to go through when somebody does pass away is you have to go through all their things yes 
And there's so, I mean, 80 years of life, there's so much yeah. in this one place. We have a scene change. Um, Edna's condition seems to have worsened again. She now glares at Kay mistrustfully. Love that. Mm-hmm. Kay's like, there's like no dialogue. And Kay's yeah. just like really scared. Both um, these actresses, um, Edna and Deborah Logan, they got the they got the hateful stare down so well. And I really I've only seen this actor um in one other thing, and it was a totally different role. Mm-hmm. Um it's called uh, Best of Both Worlds. It's a comedy. It was on Hulu. Oh. I mean, she's great. Yeah. So now um Edna's refusing to eat and she she wets herself. And so Kay puts her in a bathtub, but now um, we see that the bruise is is has spread and her her skin has become uh I don't know, just like ragged. I don't know what the texture is exactly. Pruny almost. Say it again. Like pruny, kind of kind of like a rotting fruit. Yeah. A little bit. And she's like, she's peeling at it, and it's this is pretty disturbing stuff. The bathwater overflows and reacts with an electric heater, causing the house's power to go out. Now Sam is still in the walls. Um, and she is going deeper and deeper, and she finds notes which are in this like really like ragged scrawl saying things like, it is here, and get out, get out, get out. Um <sighs> The ceilings are sloping lower, and now she has to crawl. So spooky. Kay finds Edna. Uh, Edna's um, facing away from her, like crouching down on the floor, and she's picking at her face um, with a knife. And when she stands up, like her leg like breaks, but then it snaps back into place. So obviously there's some transformation that's happening. That's quite terrifying. And Edna, the Edna creature says, you're not Kay. I don't know you. Yeah. It's like, she's both like physically turning into someone they can't recognize. And also like mentally. Yes. It's really sad. So Sam eventually finds a way through the house by punching a hole through the walls. And, but, and she's just about to go through the hole, but then she hears her mother screaming. And that's definitely a turning point in her character. So she, she has an escape, but she goes deep back into the corridor to rescue her mom. So Kay and Sam hear Edna approaching. This is very scary. And when we do see the Edna creature, she's disfigured and physically contorted, and she's crawling um, toward them. So now Kay has Sam go first through the hole back into the house, and then Kay goes next, but she gets pulled back. And so she's being pulled between Edna and her daughter, but she finally gets um, pulled all the way through. Edna tries to pin down Sam but um, Kay beats her away. Edna's now breathing, or the Edna creature, her breathing has become more like a wheeze. And um, yes, and she um, gestures toward a post-it note on the floor, which says, I am love. Um, This destroyed me. And it kind of still, like, I kind of kept thinking about it. 
like while we were talking and I was like, oh, it like hits me every time. Like I need to write that note now, you know, yeah. like, I don't know. That's such a profound thing. And I don't know. I felt like that was just such a, I don't know. <laughs> it hit me right in the gut and it's still hitting me in the gut. Yeah. It's, it's pretty hard. So Sam is like, that's not grandma. Like, let's go. But Kay um, says, I can't leave her. And she locks Sam out of the house and she turns back to the creature and she carries this tiny withered creature upstairs um, and, and puts her to bed. And then this part, <laughs> this is where I got destroyed because she's now helping to peel away um, the Edna parts and just like reveal this creature underneath. I'm going to start to cry. I got it. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's tough. It's so tough. It takes a while, right? You know, you mm -hmm. see like, um, like parts of her hair and parts of her skin that she's peeling away. It kind of reminds me of a tree too. Like, you know, the paper Ooh. bark trees where you can just kind of take the, and also kind of like lob lolly pines. They kind of have bark like this too. We can just kind of sit there and peel it back and you're not really hurting it that much. Yeah. And yeah, I kind of thought of, I was like, it uh, was less gross to think of it as skin and more like she's a tree. Oh, I like that, Mac. I like that so much. Mm -hmm. It's like one of the advantages of having done, you've got a degree in horticulture. Yeah, the little things. I don't really remember much else. <laughs> <laughs> so we finally see her final form, which is a, a withered, rotting corpse, like the one in the nightmare. And <laughs> sorry, Mac. <laughs> I can. I do you want me to read it? Yeah. Okay. So then, Kay and Sam. Well, we have a great. I one of my favorite things in horror movies that you can do, which is a woman gently holding the the scary monster that's there. You know, it's like honestly one of my favorite things ever. I think it's such a powerful image and more movies should have a scene like that. But yeah, they, so then Kay and Sam, Sam walks in, you know, she's gotten back in and she looks kind of scared, but Kay and Sam lay on the bed with Edna until she falls asleep. So then the film ends with Sam you know, she's, they're kind of sitting in a triple spoon with uh, Edna, the littlest spoon. And Sam can see on Kay's back, kind of like peeking through like her shirt, that she has a small black bruise resembling Edna's initial bruise, suggesting that in time, Kay will suffer a similar fate as her mother. So they, they don't, they don't even let you go easy at the end. They still got to kind of hit you. <laughs> With something that is very intense. Yeah. And that's the end of the movie. One thing I will say, I really, <laughs> not not to bring up another thing, <laughs> another critique. I really love this movie. But I, I looked up the ages of all the characters. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Kay is 49 and, or the, at the time of the film, 2020, um, Kay was 49 and Sam was 33. And it's like, yeah, sure. I guess she could have had her at age 16. But that that kind of uh, took me out just a little bit. I was like, they do kind of look more like sisters in a way. 
That sometimes that gets me. Sometimes that really, um, and it's funny because Point and I are just about to do the Manchurian Candidate, and Angela Lansbury is only three years older than wow um, than than the guy, and she's supposed to be his mother. But I, it didn't. I don't know. It didn't bother me with this. And but you were texting me about this before. But I mean, I really think that Bella um, Heathcote does an amazing job, and I, I wonder yeah. if. If you know the director, they were just like, you, you know what? Yeah, we just want you. And it, and it's interesting. I mean, what if what? If, I mean, it would kind of make sense that Kay would have had her young. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. think that could have been written into her character. Yeah, I guess that's the thing is like if that had been part of it. Yeah, I think that would have been interesting, but I, it was something that I noticed, and I was kind of like, hmm. I mean, that would make a whole lot of sense. Like if she'd had her at sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe gotten married to the dad and then the marriage obviously didn't work. Ah, and yeah. So Natalie Erica James is in everything I saw about her, she's described as Japanese Australian. Interesting. She traveled to Japan. I think when her grandmother was dying. And so a lot of this movie is based on her own life experience. Oh. And she, says that she really loves Japanese horror. So I think it's funny that you mentioned like, it must be, it must be related to dark water. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm okay. I think I'm recovered now, but, um, and, and I mean, for anyone who's ever experienced, you know, dealing with someone with dementia, I would strongly recommend watching this movie if you're up to it because it'll hit you, you know, in your heart guts. And, um, Clearly. <laughs> um, it's really powerful. I think, I think also it, because I had a few people I know on Letterboxd who are, who are men who, or I should say cis men, who didn't really seem to get it. And maybe that's part of it too, is obviously I do not identify as female. But in this case of like, you know, I felt like I could, I feel like it is a special story to have three women like three women uh it's just a different it's its own unique thing and it's a story that should be told and i feel like maybe there are things that you can only like you can empathize with but you will hit you more if that's closer to your situation yeah i feel like that could be true i mean and just a lot of the imagery like they're basically being born back into the mm-hmm. house. And I mean, and the fact that she's um, reduced to crawling at the end, right before she mm-hmm. is able to escape from, from that mind prison place. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think relationships between women who are related to each other <laughs> are very <laughs> difficult sometimes. And I think this just really, you know, nails all that so well. Yeah, I love this movie. Matt, Como Se Dice, Don't Look Now in Italiano is, of course, the segment where we look at the title of our film in different languages. In Argentina, it was called Cursed Inheritance. In Brazil, it was called Grim Relic. In Portugal, it was called The Presence. In Vietnam, it was called Demon Ruins. No. And in Taiwan, it was called Home Spirit. Also, no. <laughs> um, I think Cursed Inheritance is good. That's a pretty good one, yeah. Yeah. 
Bella Heathcote uh, also starred in The Neon Demon, where she plays a model humiliated by casting director played by Alessandro Nivola, who is in life the husband of Emily Mortimer. Mortimer. Edna's final form is actually an advanced animatronic, complete with facial controls and breathing mechanics. Wow. That's amazing. I had no idea. I thought that was so cool. That's incredible. What does Letterboxd have to say about it? Case McFace 97 gave it five stars. This is 100% my kind of film, boasting incredibly well-executed scares and tethered together by a strong emotional core. Relic really embodies the feeling you get watching someone you love decay in front of your eyes. Lizzie the Bold gave it five stars. Still so incredibly excellent, only improved by rewatching. A prime example of how horror can be used to better tell moving and meaningful stories. Daniel Fott gave it five stars. Here we have a horror film that's dramatically gripping, expertly crafted, well-acted, tense, atmospheric, genuinely scary. Not a single jump scare in sight. So, of course, the quote general audience is going to hate it. Of course. The way it goes absolutely batshit crazy toward the end with surreal, mind-melting claustrophobia and gross, decaying imagery is fucking fantastic. How can you not like that shit? A remarkable moving film. Excellent. I agree, Daniel. Sergio Torres C. gave it five stars. I think this is the first time I cried watching a horror film. It would be interesting to think about. Sorry. What? What did you say? Have you cried at other ones before this one? I was just about to say I was tr- – I mean, I, I'm sure I have, but I, I can't can't think of any off the top of my head. But I did cry watching this one. Yeah, me too. It can't be the first time I've cried though. I No, Train to Busan. Oh, there you go. There you go. Well, John 009A gave it a half star. <laughs> Letterboxd community can try all they want to gaslight me. <laughs> into liking this movie, but now this part is all in all caps. It'll never work. A camera moving silently in a dreary looking house is not art, horror, or good. You hear me? (laughs) (laughs) If the person who recommended this movie to you is an art major and prefaces the recommendation by saying, I don't usually like horror, but by golly, this movie good, you have to watch it <laughs> don't listen to them this is so specific <laughs> <laughs> my favorite kind of letterboxd review if you if the person recommending to you this to you is an art major uh named bobby who is in second period with you <laughs> <laughs> daniel bridges gave it a half star all build and no payoff makes relic a dull boy yeah you would quote um the shining Daniel. Donnie Barco gave it one star. We'll never forgive the Vavitch for starting this trend of horror. Donnie Barco, I just have to talk because what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) In what way are these two movies related? (laughs) Um, I don't know, like art horror? I'm baffled by that review. I read it before you got to it and I was like, I guess because uh, The Witch is a movie I've tried to watch so many times and have never liked and I cannot see how this is anywhere close. Not even thematically, not even like the vibes. You're just wrong, Donnie Barco. 
incorrect name gave it a half star. Not only was this movie boring and nonsensical, I was also having a mental breakdown over how to break up with my BF while watching it. So it was a bad time altogether. That is not Relic's fault. (laughs) (laughs) Also, Donnie Barco, um, I just got to say, interesting that your name is Donnie Barco. And guess who produced this movie? Mr. Jake Gyllenhaal. So (gasps) maybe think about that next time you review. (laughs) Yeah, it's a total coincidence. um, How would we rate this? Um... I guess in like windows, yes, stained glass <laughs> windows. Four, four, four windows. Just four. I can't get over that dark. The darkness. Okay, I just think that's, that's such a pet peeve of mine because I want to see the movie. I no, want to look you. at it. I got you. Yeah. Okay. That's it's fair. an unfortunate four. I would give it four and a half. That's fair. I think it's damn strong. I wish it was five. Believe me. What have we learned? <sighs> um, get your tissue boxes before watching a horror movie sometimes. Um, and also, I guess, check up on people. <laughs> but also, just because you're in a family that has pass down a lot of sad and broken stuff, you can still change things. Mm-hmm. You don't have to just continue with the cycle. So I love it when Kay is just like, you know what? You know, I'm going to take care of her. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my gosh, I got to. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> that's an amazing turn. And that's just an incredible thing that she does. Yeah. There's so much love in this movie. I feel like that. I love to see a horror movie with so much like, like true love. Yeah. Would we watch it again? Yes. Yeah. Do you have a favorite scene, Mac? Um, I mean, them going through the the mind prison is pretty great. I think that peeling scene I really do like, and the garden scene I like. I do also like the scene with Jamie in the beginning because it yeah. says a lot without yeah. saying explicitly what's going on. I, yeah, I loved that element too. That like, I don't know, I think it's interesting also to have an outside perspective like on your family and then to have somebody be so freaked out by your family would be like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mac. This was a really good discussion. Thank you for having it with me. Likewise. I enjoyed it. Me too. Thank you for joining us for this episode and for all your support. It means the world of horror to us, truly. Next time, Mom's Picks involve animated horror films. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready. Get ready, Wohos. We will be looking at Mad God from the U.S. and Grave of the Fireflies from Japan. And now... Just hang with us, Wohos, because soon we'll be talking about zombies and we'll be talking about animals run amok. So (laughs) (laughs) we'll be having some fun along the way. We would welcome your support in the form of a five-star review or a thumbs up on your preferred listening platform. Mac, what do you have going on? Well, you can follow my art Instagram at Macaritaville. And also I have a Tumblr that's also Macaritaville. 
that's really what I've been up to on the social meds, um, as the kids don't call them. And um, I would really love it if you looked at my art because I spend a lot of time on it. And it's real cool, y'all. Well, thank you. I love the way you do the like how you do it thing on the last frame. Oh, yeah. I lo- it does that for you. And I I love that. I love looking at it myself. Sometimes I'm like, dear God, how much time did I spend on that one part? (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. Remember, Woohoos, we love you and don't go into the basement. Yay, we did it.